Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Grind Podcast. Today, we have a special guest in Mark Hayes. Mark, what's up, buddy? Hey, Eric. How are you, bud? Good. Design Engineering Manager at Matthews, Inc. Man, what's your role there? Let's yeah. talk about that real quick. Yeah, so it's pretty simple. I run the support team for Matt, who is the owner of the company, Matt McPherson. He's the head engineer and CEO and he's got a group in a facility right across the road from the main facility, his test facility. And my group's located in the main facility. So we're just the liaison between his design process and getting that into manufacturing. We also do some design for him as well. Stuff that uh, as we expand our product lines and we have more products and accessories and types of bows, our group that kind of falls on our group. So we're jack of all trades, but all on the design and uh, support for Matt's side. That's awesome. How long you been with the company? I've been there, uh, let's see, about 10 years this year will be my oh, wow. yeah, 10 year. Because I, I started as an intern uh, in college. I came, I went to college in Ohio, came for a summer to work in 2011, and then went back, finished my degree, and then started full-time in 2012. Good for you. It must be a good job and one you love to stick there 10 years. So good for you. Yeah. I mean, the brand itself is, and what Matt stands for, it has lasting effects for sure. It's, it's something that's worthwhile, even though it's recreational, you know, the meaning behind everything he does is transcends just the, the product itself. No, man, anyone I've ever rubbed shoulders with or hung out with from Matthews, they're just stand up people. I mean, just good, genuine people from... Brad True, uh, obviously Caleb and Derek are great guys. And just the little I've talked to you, it's just like the people in this company are just gold, cream of the crop. That speaks volumes to who Matthews is. So I, I think that's pretty cool. One thing I've just noticed about all you guys. Well, we appreciate that. It's definitely important to us. It's one of our core values that integrity be always withheld with whoever, whoever we're dealing with in or outside the company. So it's a, it's a, building full of really authentic people that are authentic archers, authentic hunters, target shooters, and just passionate about the brand and archery in general. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, guys, just a subtle reminder about Goat Knives. Goat Knives is the most innovative product to hit in recent memory. It's a backcountry tool, replaceable blade knife, all in one. Now the knife, the Capra Hunter TI, features these Allen keys that you can fit inside the titanium handle itself. And that way, should any of your equipment fail, you need to tighten some Allens on your tripod or your scope or your rest or adjust some sights. You have that stuff for the backcountry. And it's super lightweight. And we're going to give you a discount. Code MuleyFreak. Use it, Goat Knives. Check out the Capra Hunter TI. Check out the Carbon Tur. Travis is a phenomenal guy, runs a phenomenal business. So I just want to give a little shout out to him. So I want to lead with this question. How do you try to make the bow better every single year. That seems like a super daunting task because bows, in my opinion, they kind of have a short shelf life, do they not? I mean, they're constantly being changed and improved. So is that kind of stressful going in and, and talk about that process a little bit on and, and how you do that? Yeah, it's it goes back to what I just said, that it's full of authentic people. We are trained uh, to just find things to improve at all times. Like we're never content and, you know, we have fierce competitors, but our biggest competitor is ourselves. We do not let things go out the door that we ourselves wouldn't use or believe in. And it's easy thing to say, but when you're in the trenches, when you got a design done and you spent months and maybe years on it, 
uh, to throw that thing in the trash is a difficult thing to do. Um, <laughs> but we will not let it leave the door unless it's, it passes our internal test and our external content creators and people that are part of our proving ground. We have access to some of the most passionate people in the world and that have real world experience with this equipment. And again, that's insider building, but especially outside too. The people like you that we partner with that give feedback and get the bows early and you know, that's all part of our process. We we're super confident in our testing that we do in-house, but if it doesn't pass that proving ground test, it's not going to make it. Um, and again, that goes back to the, we might have to throw something in the garbage or make it better or wait another year on it, but it is paramount that we do that. And it's the reason why people can trust the brand Matthews that we're not going to put anything out that, uh, we aren't sure about. Right. That's awesome. I think that speaks volumes to, uh, the entire process, right? Yeah. And you asked about how, how do you, uh, come up with new stuff? We get that question a lot. You know, our ace in the back pocket is, has always been Matt McPherson. He's got, he's the owner of more patents in the archery industry than I think anybody else. He's in the Bowhunter Hall of Fame. He's already in history and going to go down in history as one of the best bow creators in the world. His genius and our group are really the perfect marriage of trying to bring new content or new technology to the forefront. It's channeling his genius, letting him do what he's good at and his design and ideas and seeing things that no one's done before and getting that ready for a consumer product. Right. So there's always things that can be improved on. And there's two avenues for things that we change. The first one is stroke of genius. Like it might, we might be in the middle of a product cycle and someone gets the idea and we have to sprint because you, you said it. I mean, we're in a really short product life cycle, less than a year, basically, right? or a year when the public sees it. But so to turn something that quick it's something we've trained ourselves to be really good at but it's not it's definitely not easy and it no. definitely can be stressful at times i was just gonna say how stressful is it it can't it has its moments but I, I tell you we have built our company in a way that we can move fast we are incredibly vertically integrated the things we outsource is crazy small right we try to do everything in-house and that's why we can turn things so quickly but something could be that we've been working on for years and we're trying to find the right platform that it fits on that it makes sense with things like the grip you know the engage grip we've had for three years but that was a lot of years in the making and the verdicts it ended up going on the verdicts because uh, that was the right platform at the time that the riser worked with it the balance of the bow worked with it all this stuff and so and that has been a grip that we've been really satisfied with the past three years and have stuck with because it had so much development at the front end that it was built to last into other product lines. Yeah, that engage grip, that's nice. And back to some of that stress, how do you kind of mitigate that stress when obviously you, you said that you do a lot of things in-house that helps you have more control, more visibility on where you guys are at in the process. But what's a day in a life like over there? Everyone smiles and happy to be there because they get to work in the quote unquote hunting industry or, or how does Matt stress urgency on you guys without making guys uh, <laughs> too stressed? How's yeah, that work? It works because like I said at the beginning, we believe in the brand and what it stands for. It's so as hard as it can be at times, as quick as we got to move, at the end of the day, when we're sitting, November is the best month of our year because we get to show the public what we've been working on. And that week, we look back at all that work and we're like, yeah, that's worth it. And we all have that mindset. We're in the trenches right now in new product cycle. But when we hit November every year and get to look back at all the decisions, the little decisions that we made, and we can bring a product to market that consumers truly love, that they it changes the way they experience archery. 
that's what's important to us. And that's where the reward and having a forward mindset kind of gets you through those hard times that all this hard work, all this stress and all these late nights are going to be so worth it at the end. Because people are buying our product. It's not an inexpensive product and they're going on adventures with it. It's not buying the product's not the end game. It's the start starting line for them. And so right. to hear from them, um, from the field, what it's done for them, we talk about experience a lot, you know, vibration, quiet, all this stuff. Like it's hard for people sometimes to say like, well, how does that make it a better bow? Well, in our opinion, it makes it more enjoyable. Right. And that's why we put so much stress, stress on the vibration and the sound, because you will shoot more if it's more enjoyable, if it's a better experience. And that's, you know, at the heart of what our product is, is it gets people out in the field doing the things that we all love to do and doing it better. Right. And, and so it's those rewards that actually get us through the times where it's, it's crazy. No, that's awesome. I think you saying making a more enjoyable experience, having fun shooting your bow. I mean, obviously I'm a hardcore hunter, but just there's something to be said just about going in the backyard and shooting your bow and just enjoying it. A lot of people that are like, why do you, why do you archery hunt? Why do you shoot a bow? I'm like, why do you golf? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, exactly. it's like archery is a lot like golf. There's so many little things that if you don't, you're not perfecting each of those steps. Like when you're swinging a golf club, you're going to screw up or something's going to be off or you're just not having a good shooting day. And you're a lifelong hunter in the fall, but you're a year long archer. And that's, that's the difference between an archery hunter is that their craft takes them through the entire year. There's always something to be worked on. There's, you're never going to master it. You can always get better. Gosh, never going to master it ever feels like, but that's what makes it fun, right? If it were easy, you know, getting in on a buck or bull and, and killing them every single time, then you'd be like, ah, this isn't quite as fun. <laughs> right. You'd look for something else. Yeah. You, you'd look for <laughs> yeah. something else. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you about some of your experiences out West. What have you hunted out here? Uh, I've had the gamut except for the biggest one. I haven't, uh, killed an elk yet i'm gonna go hopefully do that this year but i started my western experience like a lot of people do trying to do over the counter easy to get to spots i live in wisconsin now so i started out in nebraska which when i started going out there it was amazing i mean it was low hunting numbers high game numbers and we hunted mule deer and antelope because you can do it almost in the same unit we were up in the pine ridge unit okay and that's where i kind of cut my teeth and without realizing it it was quite the experience there is the antelope ground is like a parking lot out there and to crawl up on an antelope right there and kill it, you're doing something. There's no train to hide behind. There's tons of eyes on you at all times and they get rifle hunted in October. So they're freaking weary. Right. So cutting your teeth out there, I, I've learned so much. And then we were up in the Pine Ridge unit where there's actually quite a bit of topography hunting mule deer. And so you're getting blind stalking opportunities where you learn, you got to plan your stock and you're blind going all the way until you're shot those are difficult stocks and, and things that i didn't realize going out there that have been lessons to my future you know i've got to kill a mule deer in utah you know looking to do more but it's funny that nebraska which is a, a state people don't think about kind of that's where i cut my teeth i did a lot of years out there yeah good for you did you ever stick a muley out there with your bow I did and had a sad ending to oh, it. Yeah. Never okay. found it. <laughs> Went across a, a line, but <laughs> yeah, that's not I did good. Uh, stick a muley and I, I killed a couple antelope. That's out cool. There, but good for you. So, yeah. so I ask you that to ask you this: Why or, or how has that your experiences out west helped you design a bow that accommodates a western hunter? 
Like what, what's gone through your mind in the design process, hunting mule deer to help you make tweaks when you're in the off season process of engineering this new bow? For sure. It's paramount to it. I mean, there's, you spend three hours on a stock and you're, you got only your bow in a bottle of water. I mean, you got time to think for sure. And you're (laughs) always constantly thinking of what can make this better. Yeah. What can make this stock easier? What, yeah. What issues am I facing in the moment? You know, one of them is I hate pushing my bow when I'm belly crawling. Yeah, you know, that, that is it's wasted mo- movement and it's loud and it's in front of you. And I just hate that. That's where like the idea, like the sling makes a hundred times better for me. Like I, when I killed my mule deer in Utah a couple years ago, I strapped that sling to my bow. I put it on my back and I'm hands-free crawling into a mule deer. It's yeah, like it's game changer, game changer. It, it's things like that where you're like, wait a second, like this can be better. And we have the horsepower, thankfully, to be able to be the process of that change that we can have input that those experiences matter because those hunters are different. You know, I think both hunters, the Eastern hunter and the Western hunter don't want to accept some of the similarities. You know, I get the opportunity to see a bunch of overlap right, between them because I am a a whitetail hunter that does hunt a bit out west, but there's more overlap than you think. And those long shots and things like that, they aren't only solely to the Western hunter. You know, an Eastern hunter gets opportunities like that a lot, but the open terrain, the elements like wind, there are things that definitely cause you to rethink maybe your equipment. You know, the type of site you use. We have a hundred yard range at Matthews outside and we don't go out west until we have 120 yard tape. And it's to get over the ethical stuff, like it's always, if you can get another arrow in something, whether you hit it great or not, it's important to, you know, right. it's our duty to recover that game as effectively as possible. So having a tape out as far as you're comfortable, that's fun, makes you a better archer and makes you a way ethical hunter when things go crazy, which they do a lot. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously you're not going to pull up on an animal at 130 yards and fling an arrow, but you know, practicing in the Matthews facility at 100, 120, and it's only going to make you that much better at 60. If that's exactly. where you're comfortable uh, taking an initial shot at up to 60, you're, you're only going to be more confident at that range. So, and yeah, exactly. I think at long distance, I'm going to just mention this, that you get comfortable with pin float a lot too. You, you talk about a surprise shot and you know, the target archers do this a ton, but when you're bearing down at like 40, you can keep your pin pretty tight right. uh, in the target. But at 120 or 110 and the wind's kind of moving and you're not really sure, you got to be comfortable with your pin flow and you got to be trusting yourself that your body's automatically moving you back to the center. So as you drift out, you're coming back in. And all that figure eight and all that float that you're doing, you just let it do that. Don't force it with the bow go off. Like that is where you learn your shot. That's where you start to trust that just let it float, let it float. And that's why going back to 60, when you're trying to bear down, but you're nervous, you keep coming out and that's where that punching stuff comes in. You just let that thing flow because you've been doing it longer distances and let that shot fire and your groups are going to get so much better and your confidence level goes up. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's it. You brought up a good point, being comfortable with that throat or float, excuse me, and trusting yourself and practicing out of distances is only ultimately going to help you make the shot at, at closer. But back to the get, get Western thing. I mean, let's say you miss your mark at 50. You shoot a little bit far back. That animal, you know, stops at 100. And you know that 
he could potentially go a long ways. You could not find him or, you know, meat could spoil. I mean, you're going to try to get another arrow in him. You know what I mean? If, if exactly. the conditions are right, you know, you're going to, you're going to try to put another arrow in him. And I think it yeah. comes down to the ethics are this, that you should get another arrow in him to try to put that animal down. Exactly. And having the exactly. confidence to do that. No, that's interesting that you said that because that's, that was my biggest pet peeve stalking in is like, you're thinking, man, if I was a mountain lion and I only had to sneak up without dragging this bow, this would be right. so much easier. But it's like you right. make this stock and then you got to reach back and grab your bow and, and lift it up over sagebrush and then expose it and and then set it down again without it clinking on rocks and everything else. It's it's an arduous process, really, stalking in out west. Exactly. It's hard to stay focused on that. But, hey, this is the best opportunity you might get. And like you have to be 100% on to get that thing done. And so many things have to go right to actually come home with a spot and stock animal. But, you know, there's there's products too. And like I said, the, the crossover is so evident in my opinion that like our engaged limb legs, for example, they clip on your cup and you can shoot with them on and all that stuff. Like people see that and say Eastern hunter ground blinds, that makes a ton of sense. But I've been converting a lot of the people out West and I've done it too. Now that like when you're set up on a, on gear and waiting for him to stand up you want your bow at the ready like you have an arrow knocked you're ready to go because your opportunity is so quick those engaged limb legs it's a crossover product in my opinion like i'm going to put my engaged limb legs on have my bow set up my cam's not touching the dirt my arrow's not and all i gotta do is pick up my bow and make the shot and so i do get the opportunity to see a, a crossover like that and try to find solutions as our team to make those experience better, yeah. to make you more effective in those critical moments because they're so few and far between. Right. I just thought of that. Um, I hate when my cam gets in the dirt when I set it down. It gives me anxiety, especially if you if a little bit dewy or in the morning or you get a light rain that day and then it's all dusty and then you're sitting your cam in the dirt while you're stalking. You're like, I wonder how this is going to gum up, you know? Well, to, to help you there, the thing's a tool, man. It's It's made to get dusty and dirty and dinged and hit and i want to encourage everybody that that is what the bow is for the the bows that we get to see come back that are still operating great like you guys would your confidence level i think would soar if you if you knew what the bows could endure so i definitely want to encourage people to like not be afraid of their bow it's the reason we make things as beefy as we do why we have quarter inch axles why we have big cam ends stuff happens and we want the product to be able to survive that stuff but there's there's also things you should no, and that comes into shooting more like if your string is soaking wet at a yard, it's about one yard. Tournament archers will tell you that. But there's things that if you're in a pouring rain, you got to know that like I need to add one yard. And that's knowing your equipment. That's knowing everything that's shooting and practicing in those conditions. But there's always the bow will perform. There just might be adjustments that you need to know on your personal setup. Right. That, that's actually one thing I never thought of is knowing when it's wet, it's going to perform different. I always try to keep a bow cover on it the best yeah. I can. But when you're actually on the stock, you know, the bow cover's off and your bow's getting soaked. I went on a recent exactly. coos deer hunt and I snuck up to like 90 yards on a bedded tank of a coos deer, which is hard to do. I'm 90 yards on a tiny little coos deer. And my <laughs> bow was soaked. And it's actually in the Senate series. I'll have to kick it to you after this, uh, the Senate series trailer. I'll have to kick it to you after this video. Oh. I let it, I let it go. And, uh, just the water just comes off the string. <laughs> I, I missed. That's but. awesome. Did you <laughs> but, miss low? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Miss Low, man. You guessed it. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lot of things you you learned. So the only question I have about the engaged ladies, well, two questions actually. The one way in my mind, one one time that might not work is if you're on a downhill slope, your bow's gonna fall over, right? If you're on a steep angle. Yeah, potentially, depending on potentially. It's it's pretty wide base and it's made to sit on uneven ground. But yeah, I mean if it's extreme. And depending on how your bow's weighted too. Right. You'd have to have a heavy side or something. Right. Yep. Heavy side or or depending on how you have your stabilizer set up. And then secondly, how's that gonna affect your shot at sixty, seventy, eighty? Do you just practice with it? No, do you side in with it with the engaged limbs on? I do both. So it's it doesn't affect the bow's performance at all. However, it's I can't remember the exact number, but let's say nine ounces. Like if you added nine ounces to your stabilizer setup, you might hit slightly low. And so That's what I was just everyone's, ask, a little, everyone's a little bit different. You know, I shoot with mine on all the time and I don't see a difference. At least with, I shoot a multi-pen with a slider. So within my multi-pen, my 60 yards, I aim right on with them on or off. Okay. I don't have, if I'm taking a further shot, I probably would take them off. But like I said, and that's why I shoot a multi-pin for a lot of reasons, but you know, the 20 through 60, I don't move my sight. And, and within that, I can have the legs on or off, which is normally the distance I'm trying to get to on my first shot anyway. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It makes it nice when you're just shooting in the backyard too. Just plop the bow down. Exactly. Instead yeah. of having to hang it or set it down nicely on the grass or whatever. Yeah, it makes it nice for that. So were you yep. you were obviously a part of that design. Our team was, but I wasn't really in the trenches on that. So we got, like I said, we have so many just awesome guys, but Joel Maxfield's one of them. He's the second guy to ever work at Matthews besides Matt. He's about to complete his super slam. He's going to do it uh, this fall. Oh, that's cool. On a Kodiak. This is his last animal, but I mean, the wealth of knowledge from him is just in, invaluable. And one day he came up, he's like, we need, li- we've had limb lights. We need limb lights that you can shoot with them on. You know, he leaves a note on our desk. And so our guy, Amos Lease, um, who does a lot of our like accessory design, he just went after it and absolutely nailed it. And in my opinion, it's the best accessory we've ever made. And that's my opinion. A lot of people don't know about it. And it kind of bugs me because it changes how you use your bow. It's almost like... How, how do we get by without it? Like you said, shooting in the backyard or in our lane or, you know, at work, it's on all the time. Even in the whitetail woods, if I'm sneaking into a bedding area, I got to constantly be into my glass. So like to set my bow down next to my feet and it just stands there and I can get to my glass and then put them down and pick it up again. It's like, yeah, it changes nice, the huh? entire game. Yeah. yeah it's, you don't even think about it. And that's when you know you got something that has changed how you operate definitely just those little things that make a big difference right like engaged exactly limb. what do you call them engaged legs engaged limb legs yeah limb leg. yeah engaged limb legs you get it that's awesome yeah i just looked at that post he looks like he shot that ram in mexico 28 down yep. one to go joel maxfield was the first hired employee at matthew's archery that's pretty cool yep all right guys be sure to also check out base map pro live location sharing 3d maps for ios Hunt wind. I like to use hunt wind and place wind cones at the top of draws and then check the wind before I head up the draw so I know how to approach these ridges. It's not just a white tail feature. So they're privy to hundreds of thousands of weather stations across the U.S. and it's going to get you hyper accurate wind data so you know how to approach the wind in the morning and the evening. So basemap.com forward slash Amelia Freak. Get basemap pro and take 20% off. You know what's been interesting the last, I don't know, five years is seeing Matthews infiltrate the West. Me being a marketing guy, it's been really fun to watch on how you guys have put together these little short series of films on this proving ground and watching these 
uh, Wisco boys, and I know you guys probably have from other <laughs> states too, but these Wisco boys come out west and, and try their hand at Western hunting. And you know what's funny? Because eight, ten years ago, it was like, oh, Matthews is a whitetail brand, but you guys making this move out here with marketing and just showing these epic hunts with Matthews bows, it's changed the way I think about it, which can ultimately let me believe that it's changed the way other people are thinking about it. And it's like, now it's if I like, I feel like Matthews is the brand. And I, I'm, not, I'm not just saying this because I'm on a uh, podcast with the Matthews engineer here, but it's cool to see <laughs> how you guys have done that. And it, it's an attractive thing. Well, thank you. And Proving Ground's successful because it's legitimately true. We've been doing this for years and it started with Joel. You know, in the early days, it was just Joel. If it can survive Joel, it's going to survive. And that team has expanded substantially and now we include guys that you know live out west and are passionate about that and there are content creators that and partners in our proving ground that have real world world experience give us good feedback feedback that we need you know but we do as a group just you know our western hunting is normally august and september for the guys in the building and because it's it's a first you can hunt earlier you know our season starts mid-september and it's it's pretty tough to kill a whitetail early September if you don't have one perfectly patterned. And so, you know, the time to get out west to uh, hunt elk or mule deer or antelope is that August and September time. And it's our warm up to our season. And so it's been a cultural shift for sure that more and more people want to experience that. And quite frankly, we're partial to whitetails. I and mean, I like deer in general. And, you know, I, that has been my um, focus and will continue to be that I just love deer, but we need to hunt in our opinion. I might make a lot of people mad, but we're one of the smartest animals in the world, which is a mature whitetail. And you don't get many opportunities on mature whitetail a year. You know, you might spend all year and get one or two maybe opportunities. You can go out West and, and glass up quite a lot of animals. Now, are you going to get on those? That's another story, but you know, you get to get shots fired. You get to get stocks. You get to get, uh, your wind figured out thermals, you know, you get to warm up, uh, so to speak for, you know, our, definitely our passion, which being from Wisconsin is going to be whitetails, but through our partners and through, uh, the passion of people in the building, our Western hunting has legitimately gotten increased passion of ours as well. And it's important for us that that customer feels heard, you know, they are a very small segment of the, you know, let's call them 30% of the archery industry um, are Western hunters, but they are a vocal and demanding one. And so yeah, we want them that. to know that we, we're, we want them to know that their concerns are heard and they're legitimate and we see them and feel them ourselves and through our content guys. So sure. it is important and, and we don't want it faked either. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like they have a str- also have a stronghold on, the aspiration of bow hunters just because it's rugged out here it's western yeah. the canyons the draws the mountains they're big and i think that these whitetail guys dream of this even though we're a smaller percentage of the target market we're loud i guess we could say loud and i guess it's an attractive thing that we have going on out here definitely yeah it's romantic i am hesitant to go the full way that it's there's a lot about whitetail hunting that the Western guy doesn't see, you know, the, the TV shows, some of the TV shows in the past have not done whitetail hunters justice. You know, it can be rugged. It can be difficult, physically challenging, all that stuff. And, but it takes experiences out West to 
uh, learn maybe new tactics for Eastern hunting that I personally have used. You know, I've never glassed for whitetails in my life until I started glassing out West. And now I always have a spotting scope, always have a tripod and my binos in the truck at all times because it's, it's a new tool for me. Right. Probably something you didn't really think of before. And, and you probably weren't raised that way. I mean, our fathers and exactly. grandfathers didn't probably use that stuff. I know out here for us, I mean, all grown up, I never had a rangefinder. In fact, I never had binoculars. Wow. And, and that's crazy to think of. I, it I'm, is. I'm 34. I, mean, I don't know how you're going to be, what, 28 or so? 31. You're 31. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not yeah. much younger than me. And, and to think that when I was in high school, honey, I didn't have binoculars or a rangefinder. I didn't either. And you think about that. That is <laughs> crazy. Yeah, man. I don't exactly. I have my bow and my binoculars at all times. If I'm going bare minimum, that's what I got. You know, those two pieces of gear. Right. Gosh, this industry, especially over the last, I'd say five to eight years has just, has just developed so quickly. It seems like light yeah. years. And I think part of that was social media and, the demand. And I think it's a bunch of different things, but it, it's crazy to think that how we, how we started. Oh yeah. Bubba was, you know, always the idea of a hunter back when I was growing up and it is not that, I mean, especially out where you live, Eric, I mean, the, you have to be physically fit. It is uh, extremely demanding. You are surviving while you're out there. You know, you get to pick your gear, but you are surviving. Right. And go, it transcends so many activities that are similar with a way bigger goal. We're hiking, we're camping, we're doing all that stuff, but with a goal of beating something at its own game. Right. Yeah. yeah it's very romantic, uh, but it's also physically demanding. Absolutely. You're, you talked about surviving. It's like, okay, well, depending on where you're hunting, let's say you're in the Bob Marshall, you, you've got to have, you've got to watch your six for grizzlies, right? While you're calling in, right. while you're calling an elk, you're in the backcountry. So not only you got to survive, but you've got to live back there for however many days you're hunting. And that means sleeping, eating, filtering your water, finding game, staying alive, and then add another element of filming your hunt. And it's like, holy cow, it's a lot of work, you know? <laughs> exactly. And then trying to yeah. capture the adventure and then, yeah. It's, oh, uh, I'll give you a lot of credit for that, man. I tried, <laughs> I tried to film a white tail at the end of the year. I had to kill two does. <laughs> there two families that want that wanted deer, man, and I goofed it all up. By the time I get the camera on it and focused and all that stuff, the deer should have been dead. <laughs> but by the time I I had it all set up, it's like the time the clock is ticking, and I ran out of time. It's just I'm done, man. I give you so much credit for filming your stuff. It's like <laughs> I'm done. I've had one one hunt filmed, and I told it was Austin Thomas who filmed it. And I was like, dude, I'm not waiting for you. You better get it because I'm shooting. I'm not screwing this up. It's <laughs> that, funny that you. That's funny that you say that, and I appreciate that. Dan Picard and I were on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and he said the same. We we kind of both said the same thing without saying it, but we're like, we're not pulling the trigger and releasing that arrow unless the camera's running because it's like it's not the same anymore of just like taking an animal. Like camera has to be on. It has to be in focus because it's like you didn't do your job or you didn't do it justice or, and like the story is not complete. It's like painting this beautiful oil painting without framing it and putting it on the wall. It's like painting it and throwing it away. It's like, that, that's it's what it's so like true. filming for us. We're like, we're to the point where we're like, man, it, it, it's, it's not a hunt until I, until it's all completely filmed unless it's all completely. It's so filmed. true. Cause I, I've had photographers with me, Derek Nelson has followed me and all that stuff. And I just, during, during it, it's like, that's another body. That's more scent. It's more movement. It's just, it's frustrating. But when you get home, it's everything. Oh, it's I mean, so it's, rewarding. 
the album yeah exactly the the video the album of photos all that stuff it's like you can actually show what you experience because what we do is type b fun right it sucks in the moment but oh, when sucks, you get home dude. sucks the memories all that stuff like you only remember the good stuff yes yeah you and only remember the good that. stuff you don't remember sleeping with the sony a7 batteries in your pocket <laughs> trying to keep them warm at night so they don't die <laughs> <laughs> that's the stuff you but don't... you're right that film captures it yeah and your spine's crooked the next morning because you slept so raunchy you know <laughs> oh that's funny well i i got one more question for you and, and this will take a second here but like just having your stuff in house like what all do you have in house and i know you have your dampeners in house i mean correct me if i'm wrong you do your strings in house which is the zebra strings talk about that and and how that helps set you up and spec out both yeah. So at the core is our machine shop, which we're cutting the majority of aluminum out there, but we have some steel and plastic parts that we fully machine. And we do that all in house. We have our own fixtures. Our prototype guys make their own fixtures. It's a huge undertaking uh, for production and all that stuff. But to go further, we have our own limb department. So we're grinding and cutting fiberglass. We're sanding to the right digits um, and getting those limbs perfect. Is that that is something that is stressed, especially now with the preloads we're putting in. They're stressed constantly, and they're just we're pushing the limits on them. And so the manufacturing has to be perfect. In addition to that, we do our, all our own finishing in house. You mentioned zebra strings. We make all our own strings. We make the most strings out of any co- string company in the world to cover all of our builds in the, our in-house builds, and also our made-to-order or our aftermarket strings. So yes, zebra strings. We have two brands hybrid and trophy um, that Matthew's genuine that are in there that are spec for our bows and our bows get tested with those. And then we assemble everything in house. So when we say American made, I mean, it is, I mean, we have 350 employees that the majority of their job is getting bows built and out the door. And we've been doing that in record numbers this past year. That's awesome. Good for you guys. You think COVID a little bit too, more people wanting to buy bows, huh? Exactly. Yeah. People want to do individual recreational activities and we definitely fell into that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. No, I, I, I just think I've always had good luck with those zebra strings. Um, I was talking to a buddy about it the other day and he's just like, man, those strings, I'm like, dude, these, these bows have to be specced with these zebra you strings. You get a bad rap for that. Yeah. And it's just like, someone's just trying to sell you a, a custom string. Well, it definitely is a little bit of that. You know, we get you are an idiot online if you say zebra is good and it, it is really disheartening for us we have the best testing facility uh maybe in the country uh that we know of and we test competitor strengths and it we refine our process and all that stuff but like at the end of the day zebra is as good it's not better than the majority of strings and furthermore what's more important is that the bow the string is one of the most important things for dynamic efficiency, meaning how much energy goes into your arrow. And we do all our testing, all our specking with a zebra string. And that's what we ship the bow with, like the perfect string. The bow will perform as good as we know how it could be with this string. Oh, man, it's funny to see people buy a brand new bow and rip that thing right off. It's just <laughs> it's definitely disheartening. It's like, yeah, it's like I'm fine with it. You know, people make some great strings that we're not we're not against that. It's just yeah. it pains us to know that people right. like it has a bad name because it, people just don't think about that. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, these bows 
are spec to these strings. You, all the testing that they're doing and all these numbers they're spitting out are through these strings. You realize that, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I never, I, I never thought of that. And I'm like, so if you want ultimate performance, I would, and you think Matthews is going to kick out a bow that didn't meet all these things and more? I said, why would you even think about putting another string on? That's so true. Like, just for example, I can't get super specific, but there's one thing that if you don't do to your string, it could change your speed by 23 feet per second. Wow. 23. And we've seen it. And it has other effects too. Like it makes the bow feel like garbage, right. you know, just this one aspect. And there's hundreds of aspects of building string, which have to be considered. So we're not mad at people for changing strings at all. You know, we're, we are a little confused about the name that Zebra has because we have tested them all. We know what, how it performs. Everybody in the building shoots it. All our pro shooters shoot it. All our content people shoot it. So right. it's been tested, it's been used and it's, the bows are made to perform well. So, you know, people who make their own decisions, but it, it's definitely, it's confusing and disheartening, but it's just the way that it is. It's like that with anything. It's like that with broadheads. It's like that with arrow weight. Right. You got to definitely filter through. Yep. You got to filter through the source, the bias, and then make your own decision, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. No, man, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your vacation to chat with me about Matthews, about Western hunting and how Matthews has kind of tailored some of their stuff towards the Western hunter. And I, I think that's, I think that's amazing because I, I know that you guys have a, a deep passion for this hunting out West and, and hearing you say it and hearing about just the culture there at Matthews, it, it just makes me and hope others fall more in love with what you guys are doing. I certainly notice it. You've got great staff, great people, and, and you've got some great partners and some juggernauts in the industry and Levi Morgan and others that are shooting bows. And it, it's really fun to see what you guys are doing. And and, and if anything else, it, it's fun sitting down and, and having some laughs with you and talk about Western hunting. So I appreciate it. Anything else you got? No, Eric, thank you so much. And it, again, it's you and people like you that kind of drive in change our product to be better you know you're you guys have an experience that's different than ours for sure and as we experience you guys we're not living there so you know we really rely on our proving ground our content team to give us feedback and make the product better um as it goes and i think we're really happy with the path we're on we're happy with the partners we have and the um, product that we're putting out we're excited for more years to come too heck yeah man well i appreciate it thanks for joining and uh We'll catch you on the next one.